Hello, Creative Strategist. Welcome to episode two of The Creative Strategist. I am so excited to bring this episode to you all. This is the first true episode of the show. My last episode was just a little short and sweet intro for the podcast to give you all a glimpse into the show and what you can expect when you tune in each week. This week, I am finally diving in. We are starting with the true fundamentals of a great campaign. We're talking the basics. Who, what, where, when, why, and how. Classic questions that lend themselves to real-life applications. Really, this lesson, these six questions can help you with conceptualizing any launch, whether it's the launch of your business, a rebranding, a new marketing campaign, or a new product segment or line of business. But there's a method to this madness. I want to walk you through the order in which you need to ask yourself these questions, starting with why. But before we dive in, I have to take a minute to shamelessly encourage you to post a review. Each week, I'll be reading the review of the week and shouting out to its author. Reviews are the best way you can show your love for this podcast and help me gain traction on this amazing platform. With your positive reviews, I can boost downloads and bring you amazing guests. I want you to get to learn from the best of the best, and your reviews can make that happen. So after we're done with this episode, pop over to the review page and leave some quick words of encouragement for me. It only takes a couple minutes, but it makes a huge impact. the creative strategist. I'm your host, marketing and sales expert, Star Jerry's, and I'm here to help you use storytelling, design, and entrepreneurial thinking to develop your brand's voice, boost sales, and stay relevant in an ever-changing marketplace. Join in on my conversations with seasoned professionals and take away best practices to help you forge ahead in your career. Again, I'm Star Jerry's, the creative strategist. Let's get started. All right, let's do this thing. Let's start with why. Now, I'm going to preface this section with a little shout out to Simon Sinek and his book, Start With Why. This isn't a paid ad, just a very obvious recommendation from one business nerd to the other. If you haven't already, you need to read this book. You can head over to my website, starjerrys.com slash the creative strategist and scroll to my book recommendations and see all my favorites, including this one. I'll keep adding to that favorite list. So definitely keep going back and checking that out. If you're like me and you can't sit still long enough to crack open a book, download it on audible or look up one of his Ted talks. They are amazing and so insightful. Starting with why is fundamental to the success of your business and your marketing campaigns. Why are you doing what you're doing? I'm going to use Disneyland or Disney as a case study while we talk about these questions because I love me some Disney. If you know me, you know that. They're brilliant storytellers and hence brilliant marketers. Disney's why is happiness. It's their core feeling. It's the feeling they're trying to bring to their customers. Every business has a why or a feeling at its core, or at least it should. What feeling or what emotional reaction are you trying to get out of your customers? If you're a farmer, why are you farming? It's got to be deeper than providing food to people. It could be something like family. My why as Star Jerry's the creative strategist is empowerment. 
I want my listeners, you, to walk away feeling empowered, smarter, and stronger than you did before you tuned in. Now, it's kind of funky with these feelings because sometimes it's hard to put a word to the feeling, and Simon Sinek talks about that. It's hard to get a word to really encompass what it is that you want your product to make someone feel sometimes. So it takes a little bit of thought. And if you don't already know your why, you need to take a bit, sit down, and really think it through. You need to know why you're doing what you're doing, or you're just going to be going through the motions. In today's world, with so much stuff vying for our attention, believe you me, the public, your audience, can smell unauthentic content and shallow, fake business tactics. They just can People need something real to hold on to. They need your why. You need your why. Well, I think I've hit on that point enough. And if you have any questions about any of this stuff, email me at info at or go onto my website and use that contact form. That's what that's there for, guys. Seriously, don't be shy. Reach out to me. I love that. Now that you have your why, let's move on to who. You need to know who you're trying to reach. And listen to me carefully when I say this. I'm going to pause for dramatic effect. You cannot be something for everybody. I repeat, you cannot be something for everybody. You need to choose. Am I going to target grandma? Or am I going to target an 18-year-old online gamer? Generally speaking, these two are very different people with two very different sets of motivators, values, ideals, and aesthetic preferences. You have to decide who you're going after, and once you decide, you need to stick with it. Disney's target market is families. That's obvious when you walk into the parks, go to see a Disney film, or walk into the Disney store. Disney makes sure that the worlds they create are always suitable for children of all ages. You don't see Disney rolling out rated R films. It's just not up to brand standards. Why would they do that? That wouldn't make any sense. You also would not see them doing campaigns or advertisements with racy material or foul language like Carl's Jr.'s ads, remember those, versus Disney's brand. Like That just would never make sense. That's a great example of two very different targets. They're a safe place, Disney. They always have been and they always will be. And that's what makes their brand so special and so timeless. Another great example of this is CoverGirl. When CoverGirl picks a spokesmodel, they are very, very intentional about who they select. Their brand speaks to accessible beauty for everyone. Not too long ago, they introduced James Charles, their first ever male beauty model as a CoverGirl, as well as Nura Afia, who was their first CoverGirl in a hijab. They are speaking to their demographic and establishing their brand values and perpetuating their all-inclusive why by being very clear about their who. People of all ages, all ethnicities, all religions who love makeup and want to feel beautiful, whatever his or her definition of beauty is, that's who they're speaking to. It is crystal clear. CoverGirl, I see you. (laughs) So does that make sense? My why for the creative strategist is empowerment, and my who is creative entrepreneurs in the workforce. I'm a 27-year-old podcaster who doesn't know how to be anything but herself, so I'm speaking to other millennial go-getters. 
I wanted this podcast to be a place for both men and women to learn together, so you'll notice that I intentionally will be bringing on both male and female guests. And I also wanted to open up this podcast to folks who are digging into their career. I didn't want the conversation to revolve so heavily around starting a business. Rather, I wanted to speak to people who are looking to positively impact a business through creative strategy, whether it's their own company or a company that they work for, someone else's company. So we have our why, we have our who, now let's get to our what. A lot of people want to start with their what, and that makes sense. That makes total sense. We like something, we have a cool idea to make something, we want to run with it, we want to sell the tangibles. That is easy, that is, that is I can see it, I can touch it, I can uh, taste it, whatever it is, that it's there. And it's a lot easier to get behind something that's physically there, right? But the what has to come after the why and who. I hope after listening to my explanation of the why and who that you understand why it needs to be in this order. What is a nice and straightforward concept? It's what you're selling. What services you're providing. What people are getting when they give you money. Disney sells entertainment. Experiences in the parks, movies in theaters and in-home purchases, TV shows, games, merchandise. In one word, they sell media. We get that. CoverGirl sells makeup. Affordable makeup for the masses. I sell education. I sell myself, my insight, my experience, my time, my presence. Pretty easy, this question of what. So let's recap. You know your why. You know why you're producing. You know who you're producing for and what it is that you're producing. So now let's talk about the where and the when. When we're talking about where and when, I want you to think bigger than just place and time. Think everything to do with sensory. If I were writing a book, this is the part where I'd be doing the setup. And you really are telling a story with branding and strategy. So a book is really a perfect example. We want to hit all the senses. So let's break it down. Where are you? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? What does it sound like? What does it look like? And what does it feel like? I'm going to make up a product for us so that we can kind of dive into these these different senses here. Let's say you're running an all-natural organic skincare line. You have your why. Let's call it sustainability, natural beauty, but really we'll go with sustainability. You have your who, you're going for a 25 to 45 year old woman with a high disposable income who subscribes to the natural beauty movement. So now it's time to set the stage for your product. Are you going to sell your all-natural beauty products at a grungy gas station convenience store with bad lighting? Probably not. You're going to look for some sort of small boutique, maybe in a hipster co-op somewhere, in some sort of cool mall, where the shopping small's the thing to do and the people drink flat whites, you know those malls? Maybe with a modern yet rustic decor and a minimalist vibe, yet your people your natural beauty people, your who, they will be at a mall like this. And you know that. 
if this is a product that you're into and this is a product you're making, that should be instinctual. You know they will be there. So, so go there and meet them there. When we're talking about where, we can also ask where will your ads be positioned? Same thing. You want to make sure your ads are served to a community that will drive to your location. So pick a radius that's around your storefront, aka look at a map and draw a circle. And then you want to position your ads with ads that match the interest of your target market. Your woman that woman who's young with a high disposable income, she'll probably like things like Patagonia and yoga and other natural beauty products. So that's what I'm saying. Go where your people are and show them what you have to offer. Do you see how linked this all is? This feeling of why, this finding your who, this this having a really focused what, and then creating the world around all these things. It's so linked. This stuff gets me so excited. So once they get to your store, how does it smell? Probably like essential oils or maybe even incense. How does it feel? What are the textures? Natural materials, rich textures, driftwood artwork on the walls. And what does it taste like? I mean, we already mentioned flat whites, but I'm thinking drip coffee. Acai bowls with really cool granola. Fresh fruit. What does it look like? Minimalistic, chic, modern. Plants in the building. A little bit of outdoors brought inside. I mean, I think you get it. You're really, really building a world around this feeling that you're trying to evoke and everything should feel consistent and right and true to brand and cohesive. That's what keeps people in this space. I think of Apple too. Apple's, it's products. And when I think of Apple to way back when, when I was in third grade in typing class, we did have Apple computers and they were so cool. There were all these different colors and you could see through them. It was so cool. And now Apple's so minimalistic and modern. And I could, if Apple was a person, I could tell you exactly how I imagine them dressing, exactly how I imagine, I imagine it as a him, exactly how I imagine him smelling. I could see his haircut. I could see his salt and pepper hair, his super cool glasses, his great wardrobe. I mean, it's really interesting, but it's almost like I can personify these products and that is the result of really solid, really focused, really attentive branding. And that comes from asking yourself these questions. So these same questions of sensory, when you're really looking into those different senses, these same focuses can translate into your website design or your social media accounts. Maybe not taste or smell. We're not quite there yet with technology. Too bad. I really can't wait until I can taste home-baked cookies just by looking at them on TV. But you can evoke these feelings through your digital mediums too. So the pictures that you show, like are you at the beach? Is water splashing? Is everything blue? Is everything very majestic and airy? Or are you very woodsy? Are you very deep? Are your colors deep? Is everything adventurous, outdoorsy? Do I imagine that everything smells like pine and musk wherever you are? <laughs> you can do these things with visual 
impact as well. So let's move on to your when. When are you launching your new products? When are you launching your business? When do you advertise? Well, I want to break down the when into a couple of different categories. You can go big to small. So we'll talk what year you're launching your business all the way down to daily activities, daily moments when you pop up on someone's screen. So maybe you launch your business in 2019 and it's this natural beauty line. Let's go back to that. So you decide that you want to launch in the season. So we're breaking it down even more. You want to launch during the season of summer. And it seems really cool to partner with someone for this launch to make it even bigger and kind of kind of work off of their audience, right? So let's say you partner with some local organic farm or a grocery delivery service that attracts your target market. I'm thinking of one in particular right now, Imperfect Produce. That's a great example. For those of you who don't know what Imperfect Produce is, it's this produce delivery service that delivers, quote, their, this is their quote, quote unquote, ugly produce that most grocery stores wouldn't buy to your home for a discounted price. Because, of course, like I said, most people won't buy these items because it's like an ugly looking carrot or something. Um, so this brand really values sustainability too. You know, your who is there, your why of sustainability is kind of like built into this. You know this intuitively because if you're going for this natural beauty line, you're probably in that community too. So, so that makes sense. So you're launching in the season of summer. You could highlight products with ingredients that are local and complement what's in season for summer. And you could place a sample of your natural beauty products in every del- delivery box with, with a little flyer explaining your partnership and your products. Maybe you even incorporate some sort of giving back program. This is all made up, by the way. I'm just, I'm just flowing here. But, but I hope that kind of explains the seasonal when. But this when also includes timing of your ads. So if we're talking seasonal wins too, you could think of Christmas. When Christmas rolls around or that holiday season, gift giving is a huge one. A natural beauty product would be a great stocking stuffer. So that's another seasonal when, when you're serving those ads. Maybe you concentrate your digital ads even more specifically down to what time of day your ads are appearing in someone's feed or on those websites. Maybe you do specific ads during lunch hours when you know your gal's taking a break from her nine to five. She's kind of escaping into these beautiful images on Instagram and you're going to serve her a really specific ad at a really specific time of day. Like need a lunch break and maybe you have some sort of product that that alludes to some yummy lunch time snack or something like that. So you can be really specific about when your ads go out and what your ads are serving based on the time of day. So there are so many ways that you can go with these sensory experiences since we've since we've kind of looked at every type of sensory experience of your brand because you're really really building a world that is just expanding that idea of that why and it's just making your brand into this really cohesive beautiful thing. So as long as you're being consistent and staying aligned with your why, your who and your what, you're going to be golden. Which brings us to our last question. 
How? So how are you going to get this campaign off the ground? Now, this is where both the creative and strategic cylinders, I mean, they are on fire. This is when those voices start getting louder and louder, and they start either working together or pulling apart. And this is when it gets really interesting. This is when we dive into operations. <laughs> operations is a really intense time, and I think everything just gets really intensified because you have to pull things apart and really figure out how the creativity of this campaign and the strategy of this campaign are going to work task-wise. How are you going to break it down and actually make these things happen? Let's break apart operations by listing some operational components just to get the juices flowing, just to get us really comfortable with the idea of operations and how creativity and strategy come into play when we're when we're really working working with our operational side. First one that comes to mind is budget. Hello, the money, of course. So how much money do you have to spend on this business launch or on this campaign launch? If you are launching a campaign, you're going to build a marketing mix around this campaign. A marketing mix? Well, that could be an episode of it in and of itself, but I just want to sidebar and explain the concept super quickly. If you haven't heard of a marketing mix, a marketing mix is your mix of media that you are marketing with. Media outlets are generally put under two under two categories, or at least these are the two that are most talked about, traditional and digital. So we're talking about your marketing mix. We're breaking down the marketing mix, which is just a mix of media elements. I'm sharing with you now two different categories that they're generally that most media outlets generally fall under. Some examples of traditional media outlets are print, that's advertisements in magazines, newspaper, that's very traditional. Everyone knows what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a print advertisement. Out of home advertisement. These are things like freeway signs, signs on the back of benches that you sit on when you're waiting for the bus or those plexiglass uh, panels that you see at bus stops too, where there'll be a, a poster in there. That's out of home. Traditional television, like cable TV. I'm not talking about digital ads, like when you're streaming, I'll get to that. But traditional television, like an ad that you would see on regular TV, that you could kind of fast forward through with your DVR. That's a traditional television ad. And then some examples of digital marketing would be like social media. Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Snapchat ads. There are also online ads, like when you're on ESPN.com and an ad pops up, or video ads that play before you watch a video through a streaming service. Those are all digital. The cool thing about digital is it's highly trackable. So another traditional outlet would be radio. Radio is, is pretty hard to track. It's hard to know how many people are listening most traditional media outlets are a little bit more difficult to track, but I still value them. I think they're wonderful things to put into your marketing mix. I believe in a balance in a marketing mix, but that's kind of the story with traditional and with digital, highly, highly trackable. I can really dig in and see who is using what and how these ads are being effective, not name by name, but general, general flows of the ads I can see, which is really nice. 
I think you get the idea of what a marketing mix is. I believe it's really great to have a well-rounded mix. I think it's nice to be able to have a little bit of everything. Of course, there are going to be some things that you bump up more than others, depending on what it is that you're selling or what you personally believe in based on your knowledge of your audience. But if your budget is super tight, you have to find a way to be creative and maybe you go more organic, word of mouth, social media. I mean, do your best with what you have. Another operational component is activation. Activation is making it actually happen, flooring an event. So if you decide you want to launch your product by going out and setting up booths at events, who is going to activate those booths or be there the day of to set it up or work the table and sell? Is that you? Are you planning on hiring a team? Also design. Who's going to do all of your design? Do you happen to be a designer? Is it worth your time to design your logos, templates, website, etc.? Or are you going to opt to hire someone? Now, I have a background in graphic design, and I've designed a lot of my own logos and my own templates and things like that because that's kind of where I'm at. But if possible, I would love to have someone else's perspective come in and do that and, and really work with me to create something cohesive and something interesting. So don't be afraid to branch out. Even though that's what you do, don't be afraid to outsource these things as you grow. So long story short, the how is the hands and the feet of your business or your campaign. It's the step that carries your why, your vision to the masses. You want to look ahead with your how and always be thinking about scalability like I just mentioned. As you grow, outsource that design, right? So can you scale these processes? What will each how look like or each point of operation look like when your sales increase and they increase again and you bring on a team and you start growing and keep growing? Is there anything you can automate? Example, I have templates that I've created for the show. When I reach out to someone to be on the show, I generally send them a deck or a nicely laid out PowerPoint that I've designed and turned into a PDF. That's usually referred to as a deck. I send the same one to everyone as an attachment. It has great information. It's really easy to read. It's very user-friendly. It's it's simple, easy to digest. And I use that deck to explain the concept of this podcast and explain what can be expected if that person chooses to come on the show. Then I use an email template that I tweak and I customize just enough so my recipient knows, I I mean, I at least know their name and I tailored some of it to them because they're an individual, they deserve that attention, but it's still a template. I can't reinvent the wheel every time and neither can you. That would be paralyzing to the process of my business, to the process of prospecting, And everyone understands that. They're going to understand that not every email can be a a handwritten letter to them. They understand that. So it's okay to use templates. Do yourself a favor. Work smarter, not harder when developing your house. Remember to protect your energy by maximizing your efforts. Look to automate as much as you possibly can. And always think of scalability when you add something to your business plan. So my how is podcasting. This is how I believe I can empower the most amount of people at one time. 
I also use social media to bolster my podcast and expand my voice and reach. I do paid social media advertising, and I work to book speaking engagements and appearances to gain a larger audience by getting out in front of people because I think there's something truly special about being live in front of people and meeting them one-on-one where they're at. Even if you're talking to a room full of people, it really feels more personal when that person is standing right there in front of you. I'm always thinking about adding more layers, more layers, but I'm making sure to work within my limits and be realistic about those expectations that I'm creating for myself, which I think is a really, really important thing when we think about the how, because it's easy to jump ahead. It's easy to just get excited and start running and start running and you don't even have your legs underneath you. Well, my friends, we made it through all six questions in my special recommended order. Why, who, what, where, when, and how. I feel like we covered so much today. Thank you guys so much for bearing with me. I hope you were taking notes on that because I was slinging a lot of information. But I will have the show notes online. I can't wait to hear from all of you. I want to hear your takeaways from this episode. I want to hear your questions. Head over to my Instagram, the Creative Strategist Podcast, for links to my email, my website, and my personal Instagram. You can also find me at Star Jerry's, that's one R in each word, S-T-A-R-J-E-R-I-E-S on social media and at starjerrys.com. When you're on starjerrys.com, just click through to the contact page and shoot me a note. I'd love to start a discussion with you. Until next time, my friends, thank you so much for listening and keep creating strategically. Thank you for listening to The Creative Strategist. Head over to stardiaries.com slash the creative strategist for notes on today's episode, information about upcoming events, or to nominate a guest for the show. Don't forget to leave a review and share this podcast with a friend or colleague. Thanks again for hitting play. See you next time, creative strategist.